Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Tennis Unfiltered with me, James Gray of iNews.co.uk and the iNewspaper. I should start with an apology, which is that you probably or may or may not have noticed that I missed a daily update. This will be a double day review. Um, Hopefully you'll forgive me. I've not been terribly well and it's been, well, I think this is now my 14th working day in a row. um, And the fatigue of a Grand Slam does not just apply to players, it also applies to people working at them, and I include myself in that. So, um, you will hopefully uh, forgive me for uh, missing one night, and um, move past it. Change, heal and grow, I believe is the uh, phrase. So, I will start with a look back at Tuesday, uh, which was, I believe, day 10 just doing the maths there. It's always confusing because the French Open starts on a Sunday. Usually, because the grand, most grand times start on a Monday, you can quite easily just sort of go, oh, well, it's the second Tuesday, so it's 7 plus 2, easy, fine. Um, but I haven't quite got my head round that uh, particular piece of maths yet. Uh, so, yes, day, I already have forgotten what day it was, 8, 9, 10, um, which was a quarterfinals day, uh, the first quarterfinals day, um, and a dramatic one for lots of different reasons. Um, there wasn't much to be said in Djokovic versus Hatchinoff, as you might expect, other than that to say that Djokovic dropped his first set of the tournament, which was the first one. He, I asked him about it afterwards, and he said uh, that he felt like he'd left part of himself in the locker room, um, which probably about sums it up. He was pretty slow out the gates, but then... Uh, and actually, second set wasn't perfect either, but he then did play the perfect tie-break. Um, so, in all fairness, he, he found his perfection eventually, and then 6-2, 6-4, the last two sets. So, um, yeah, he can say that he was sluggish out the gates, and that's certainly true, but uh, overall he was looking pretty good. But not as good as Carlos Alcaraz was looking against Stefanos Tsitsipas, 
who I think the first set is the best set of tennis I've seen anyone play in a long time. Um, it was 6-2, it was about 35 minutes, and it was just like everything he did came off. It was, I mean, it was ridiculous. The level this guy can play when he's playing really well. I mean, there are times when you watch Djokovic, and I'll tell you a stat about Djokovic. He's not made an unforced error in a tiebreak yet, this tournament. This tournament. And he's played five breakers. Ridiculous. Um, but the only guy... Djokovic is really the only guy I can remember in any sort of recent times playing this kind of level of uh, almost perfection. Like That really is the only word. It is quite close to perfection. And he was two sets up within an hour. Sitsipas kind of rallied a bit in the third set, took it to a broke back, took it to a broke tie break. Um, but again, I mean, the Sitsipas backhand is just a mess. I mean, afterwards he said that he's been struggling with his sleep schedule and that he's been taking melatonin pills to try and manage that and regulate it and that it made him feel sluggish for the first two sets. And that, that may well be true, but melatonin pills didn't make his backhand the way it is. I mean... Every time in the ad court, pretty much, and I haven't got the stats to back this up, but at least anecdotally, every time Alcaraz is serving to the ad court, he would just kick it to Sitsipas's backhand, and he would miss. It it was just silly. Like it was the same in Barcelona when Alcaraz smashed him in the final, and just destroyed his backhand, and it was the same here. Like he just had so little to offer on that wing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, you know, I, I wrote a column afterwards saying Stefan Sitsipas is no closer to winning a Grand Slam than the first time he made it to a quarterfinal in Australia uh, four years ago when he beat Batista Agut and was then gubbed by Nadal in the semis 4-2 in love. He maybe, I'm sure he has made progress, but against the norm, against the average, he has arguably gone backwards. Um, Alcaraz has comfortably overtaken him. He's got a convincing head-to-head -head record over him. I think it's four and zero now. And you know, is is Stefano Tsitsipas more likely to win a Grand Slam than Daniil Medvedev? I don't think so. Than Alexander Zverev? I don't think so. Certainly not than Alcaraz and Djokovic. I mean, he's he's well past that, but um, below that tier. Uh, Nadal obviously is kind of in a category of his own at the moment. I would probably put Stefan Sitspas in, I don't know, the Andre Rublev bracket, where I'm not, you know, I'm not convinced on merit Andre Rublev wins a slam. I can see if the draw really opens up, and once Djokovic is retired, that there might be a time when he could sneak one, you know, on a hard court maybe, but. Um, that's the kind of bracket I put Tsitsipas in now. That, you know, there was a time. And, and look, this is ridiculous because he's reached two Grand Slam finals in, you know, the last three years. But, <laughs> like, performances like that, and they're not 
you know, they're not unique. That's not a one-off. Makes it hard to believe that he's ever going to, you know, win seven slam matches in a row. Um, the other two matches on Tuesday were the women's quarterfinals. Uh, Karolina Makova beat Anastasia Pavlichenkova. Uh, struggled to draw much from that match, to be honest. Um, you know, great for Pavlichenkova to be back fit and playing at a high level. Um, she obviously made the final here two years ago uh, and lost to Barbora um, Krejcikova. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Caroline McCoy is a very good player and uh, she will be a tricky, unseeded semi-final opponent for Irina Sabalenka, who beat Alina Svitolina 6-4, 6-4. It was a pretty decent match, actually. Svitolina's got good um, rally resistance. She's got a great sort of jumping backhand, which I really enjoyed. And, uh, yeah, she made Sabalenka play well. I think that's the probably best way of putting it. Sabalenka didn't play very well against Sloane Stevens, but she had to play well against Svitolina, um, who, yeah, like I said, she got a lot of balls back. She ran hard. She's For someone who only really come back, you know, what, four or five months ago, she is incredibly fit and really physical. Um, so, yeah, that that's credit to her. And actually, Sabalenka did say that after. She said, oh, I really respect her for that. The The controversial moment came at the end. Um, where obviously match point sealed, game set match Sabalenka, and she stood at the net and waited for a handshake. Now she knows, she must know, um, that Cecilia was never going to shake her hand. She hasn't shaken hands with her two Russian opponents. She she had said quite clearly she wasn't going to shake hands with a Russian or Belarusian uh, player, and Sabalenka sort of leaned on the net and waited for her. Svitolina kept her head down and walked straight to her chair and of course was booed because well I don't know why because it's Paris and they don't I mean how can you not know what's going on or maybe they just disagree with her I don't know but like it happened to Kostyuk when she played Sabalenka in the first round it happened to Kasatkina when she played Svitolina and Kasatkina tried to avoid any awkwardness by just sort of marching directly to the umpire and then giving Svitolina a thumbs up and she gave a thumbs up back. And the crowd, I guess, missed that. I don't know. I really don't know why the prison crowd find this so hard to get their head round, but they do. But I also think, and Alina Svitolina agreed with me, that Sabalenka inflamed the situation by standing there waiting for... A handshake that was never coming. Now, Sabalenka said afterwards, because she did do a press conference for the first time in a week, that she was acting on instinct. She was just like she would every other match. I I try to take players at face value whenever I can. I don't believe Arena Sabalenka on that particular um, occasion, because how could she not know... And it was also like it was a very emotionally charged match. Um, it, there was a really high level of intensity. Like there were a lot of big fist pumps straight down the court, particularly from Sabalenka, I should say. And I don't really believe that in that moment she forgot because it wasn't just that she went to the net and went, "Oh no, hang on, that's not what we're doing today," and then sort of turned to the umpire. If she went to the net, she leant on the net cord. You know, and and stared at Svitolina, and then 
you know, when Svetlina finally got to her chair, Savalenka kind of accepted it and gave a little sort of, you know, shrug or whatever. I, I don't know. I I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I don't think I can here. I think she knew what she was doing, and I think she was on the wind-up, and she knew she'd get the crowd to boo her. <sighs> it's a pretty sad situation, really, overall. Um, yeah, not great. Um, but I guess if there is a positive... Um, it's that Arena Sabalenka came out afterwards and was asked a very direct question about the photos um, with Alexander Lukashenko and her support for Alexander Lukashenko. She, she said that she has photos, she, like he came to some Fed Cup matches and posed photos with the team. And I think actually she's met Alexander Lukashenko more than that and that, you know, that is kind of selective answering, but that's fine. Like, that happens. Um, uh, the thing that she said, which I think will, will resonate, is she was asked, you say you don't support war, but do you still support Alexander Lukashenko? She said, like, it's a tough question. I mean, I don't support war, meaning I don't support Lukashenko right now. Now, lots of people have kind of focused in on the words right now. I think... <sighs> What do I think? I think it's unfair to scrutinise the minutiae of the detail of um, what she says because her English isn't perfect. Um, it's it's kind of, you know, it, it, I, th I think it's just unfair to do that. Uh, 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 that said, it, it is true that clearly she has supported Lukashenko in the past. Um, you know, in her words, when nothing bad was going on in Belarus or Ukraine... I mean, Lukashenko's been doing bad things in Belarus for a long time. It's not new. Um, you know, he is Europe's last dictator. He has allegedly free and fair elections in 2020. They were not free or fair. And the violent reaction to the protests afterwards was not free or fair. And it was violating Human Rights Act. Um, but, you know, he also has a very strong propaganda machine. And... You know, there are allegations about how close Savalenka's partner is to him. And, you know, I can see that probably she just believes what these people tell her. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a bit sympathetic, as well as also acknowledging that she is by no means perfect. And I think has at best been poorly advised throughout all of this. Um, the the comment about not feeling safe, I think, was pretty inflammatory. If you're Ukrainian, you read Irina Savalenka saying she doesn't feel safe in a press conference. Um, I'm, I'm, I think it's right to come back to press conferences and face the music a bit. And I think she spoke quite well overall. Um, and, you know, I think we gave her a due as well. Like, she wasn't, I think, bullied, as some people would say, or... You know, I don't think she was asked any unfair questions. Um, she spoke about, you know, feeling the pressure. She said she was struggling to sleep because of what has happened over the last couple of days. That's a bit of a theme that's emerging, players and sleep. Um, yeah, I been hard work um, for her, I can see that. Not entirely uh, self-inflicted, but partly self-inflicted. Um yeah, she's into the semi-finals. She'll play uh, 
Karolina Makova, you know, we'll see how that goes. She's favourite to win it and set up a final with, and we can now move on to Wednesday, Iga Shontek, who beat Coco Goff in straight sets for the seventh time in a row. I mean, scarcely believable that a player who we know is so good in Coco Goff it has such, you know, Shontek has such a hoodoo over her. It's incredible. I think since the first set they played, which went to a tie break, I think I'm right in saying, they've, that she's not even got to a tie break. She averages two and a half games per set off Shontek, Coco Goff. Um, I should say of all the matches between them that I've seen, I can't think how many of the seven I've seen, but you know when I compare it to last year's final, for example... Um, I think this is one of Coco Goff's best performances against Iga Shontek. She only won six games, which is probably a, a demonstration of the, how low the bar is in terms of Coco Goff's best performance against Iga Shontek. Um, but I think first set she fought very hard, you know, four all, 30 all on the Shontek serve in the first set. It was there for the taking, but... To be fair, Shrontek struck the ball really well. Um, she zeroed in on the, the elements that she knows she can take advantage of. She was all over Goff's second serve when she got the opportunity. I mean, you know, Goff's second serve is not great. Um, and there are a couple of, you know, 70 mile an hour short serves into the middle of the box. And it's like, well, see ya. Well, no one's going to put them away for breakfast. And... Yeah, she 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 did so, um, and then she broke Goff at four five. You know, to love, absolutely crucial moment for it. Uh, took the first set, and then I think it did get away from Goff a bit. Thought her head went a little bit, and you know, in the press conference afterwards, she she said, someone said, "Oh, you seem a bit more at peace with this result." And she said, "Well, I tell you, what, I'm not. I'm gutted, but I don't want these pictures of me crying all over the internet again." Like. You know, obviously after her defeat in Australia, she was very tearful. And, uh, yeah, I, she did well up a couple of times in the press conference. And I think maybe one tear might have escaped her eyes. They certainly um, glistened with tears. Uh, but, you know, she she's such an impressive person, Coco Goff, because, you know, she's 19 years old. She bloody hates losing. And... All she wanted to do was go home, order room service and cry. But she fronted up and said, I had a different tactical plan today and it didn't work. It worked a bit, but it didn't work. I've got to do better. And she, her different tactical plan, it seemed, was to kind of loop the forehand into the Shontek backhand, you know, try and utilise the wind a little bit, um, try and put a bit more height on that ball, make Shontek generate the pace. I think that did work. I think something Shontek's very, very good at is um, taking pace, coming from the other end and, and returning it with interest. But I think probably she's less strong when having to generate the pace herself. So I think that's a good piece of tactical ID to, to, to play that game. And she stuck to it for the most part. It also has the advantage of kind of taking away some of the risk on the sh the Goff forehand, which is the big weakness. You know, she was hitting these big, spinny, high forehands instead, which go wrong less. The problem is, 
they've got to be deep and when they're short, you know, Shlontek is good enough to to pick them off. So um yeah, it's an idea and it it may well work in the future. But once again, seven and 14 sets in a row. Uh not great news to kick off Shlontek's into the um semi finals. <laughs> she will play the first Brazilian Grand Slam semi-finalist in the women's singles for 55 years. Which is a staggering stat, um, given that Brazil is one of the most populous countries in the world and has a pretty reasonable tennis culture. Doesn't, as I've often said, have a uh, Masters 1000 tournament, which is a travesty. Um, but, you know, is what it is. Uh, but yeah, great for Beatrice Hadamaya. She fought really hard against Onchibur. She was down set. And yeah, battled brilliantly. She's now spent, it's an incredible stat actually, 12 and a half hours on court. Um, compared to her semi-final opponent, Shontek, who has spent just over five and a half. I mean, it's just ridiculous how dominant Shontek has been. And how hard had Dad Myers had to work to be here. In fairness, she didn't look particularly fatigued. You know, maybe semi-final is where that energy runs out. Um, especially as she only has this one-day turnaround from uh, her match on Wednesday to the semis on Thursday. So that, that surely will play into Shontek's hands, um, having that short turnaround. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, it... I hope it's a decent match. I really think we need to see Shontek tested. My concern is that um, Haddad Meyer is, you know, a scrapper, a runner, and I don't know that that's the type of player that beats Shontek very often. You think about the players who've got good matchups with her. It's Rybakina, it's Yelena Ostapenko, who has a very good record against Shontek, um, Sabalenka, you know, players who can... Actually, I don't know. What is Sabalanka's head-to-head record with Shvontek? I just said that kind of on the assumption that it's good. And off the top of my head, I actually can't think what it is. So I'm looking it up. But anyway, it's it's players who can take the racket out of her hand. Um, it's 5-3 and three in Shvontek's favour. So yes, that that is a... By comparison with lots of other players, that's a pretty decent record for Sabalenka. So essentially, it's players who can take the racket out of her hand most of the time. That That's the, the sort of rule of thumb. And I don't know that Haddad Meyer can do that. I do know that they practiced together um day before the tournament. So um, that'll create some, you know, bit of history. And they, they know each other. They played in Toronto, I think. Um, Sean Tate mentioned it was a pretty windy day that day. And it, it probably will be quite windy again. In their semi, so um, I'll be quite intriguing to see. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we, we still expect, I think, to see number one, number two seed in the final. So, um, And I think that'll be a good match as well, to be fair. I think it's a match that the women's draw deserves. Um, not that Haddad Meyer and Makova wouldn't deserve to be there if they won their semis, but, you know, I think that'll be, we'd struggle to sell that back home, I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah. And then we move finally on to... The last two men's quarterfinals, which uh, featured Alexander Zverev against Thomas Martin Echeverry and Kasparud against Holger Rune. Um, I'll take them as they went, 
uh, Zverev against Echeverry, who took a set off the German, um, which I believe no one's been able to do uh, thus far. Oh, TFO took a set, didn't he? Um, but not many people have. Uh, obviously, the, it's been the fortnight of Echeverry's dreams. Um, never made it this far. Unseeded player. You know, clearly can play. He played some really good tennis against Zverev and more than held his own. Um, I think he, you know, he's going to be number 32 in the world, I think. Um, off the back of that performance, career high. Could well be seeded at Wimbledon. Um, not that I think grass will necessarily be his service by any stretch of the uh, imagination. But yeah, he, he's he's a good tennis player and he gave Zverev a good go. But, um, you know, the guy is playing very well at the moment. And uh, yeah, served it out with relative ease, quite frankly. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And then in the evening, it was the Runa Rude rematch. Um, by no means, nowhere near as fractious as last year. I haven't heard of any locker room yars. Um, but, you know, I think what happened was slightly predictable that Runa's legs ran out, to be honest. Um, he He's played a lot of tennis this year. He looked pretty knackered in Rome I thought and then obviously had a week off before the French Open but then played a five setter against Cherenzolo and I think just just you know he's 19 years old and that sort of endurance physicality takes time to come and Runa will be back at this stage again but Gaspar Ruud who's been out of form this year but did make two Grand Slam finals last year and he's into another semi like you know he just keeps no, he's not the most famous bloke in the world. He's not the most extravagant bloke in the world, but he can bloody play tennis, um, and he served really well. And I think that's you know someone said to me that's the big point differential between Rude and Runa at the moment. I think it probably is. Rude's serve is much better, and he was able to lean on that you know deep in the match when it got cold and heavy and um, slow and and tiring. So um, yeah, that that's where you have it. And yeah, which brings us on to today, the semi-finals which you may already have watched or maybe be be watching as you listen to this, which would be quite a fun way to do it. Um, first is Makova against Sabalenka, then Shontek against Haddad Meyer. Um, I think both matches will have have elements of interest. I hope Makova gives Sabalenka a good challenge because I think that could be a, a nice test for Sabalenka. It hasn't really been tested that much um, in the tournament so far. Uh, and and the same for Shontek. I sort of hope they both go three sets and that Sam Lenk and Shontek win because I think that'd be the best final. Um, but they both could do with a little test. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I will be back to talk about Alcaraz versus Djokovic, which will be on Friday. Um, we don't yet know, I think. I'm just about to check the system and see whether we know the order of play for Friday yet, I suspect we don't because it usually comes out sort of lunchtime for the next day. But in all likelihood, Djokovic Alcaraz will be first on, oh not first on, will be the first of the two men's semi-finals on uh, Friday, which would make it one forty-five p.m. in the UK, um, and you can kind of work backwards from that depending on your time zone. Uh, it'll be a cracking match. Um, it. It's obviously the matchup everyone wanted. I know that's no disrespect to anyone else, but they're the two best players in the world, and they've only played once, and that was over a year ago. So 
it's about time that they got this rivalry going. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. Um, yeah, apologies once again for this being slightly late. Uh, but please do come back tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.